We are blessed to continue to rejoice by hearing the Word of God this morning. We'll be reading from Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. Verses 9 through 16. This is on page 14 in your bulletin. I think John Kaiser asked me if I'm going to preach through all of Psalm 119. I thought maybe we should just limit it to one eight-verse section this morning, which begins actually with the character Beth, the Hebrew character. Uh, I didn't put that in the bulletin. Brothers and sisters, this is the living word of God. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do rejoice this morning that we can hear and read and learn from your precious word. And we bow before you as our king. And we ask that you would grant us wisdom to understand and to apply your precious word, which is our life, and uh, thus grow in our love for you. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Give us teachable hearts, ready to apply your word. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I know most of you have used or you have seen paper maps. Now, to the younger ones here, I'd like to explain that when I grew up, a map was a piece of paper folded in such a way as to make it really difficult to get it back that way again. <laughs> That's what I remember as a map. Um, and now, but a map, you know, has locations marked on it, and it has uh, roads, it has ways to get from one place to another. I mean, even if you're using GPS, and you haven't used paper maps before, the purpose is to find the best path from where you are to the desired destination, to where you want to be. Or if you get lost, <clears throat> you use it to get back on that path. Well, the Lord has given us, by His grace, uh, he, and uh, he has also revealed to us by his grace his map, a map, his directions to guide us on the best path, uh, the path of his blessing, the path that pleases him. In fact, it's the path that leads to him. And he has given us that. He's given us his word. Like a, it's like a map. If you're on a long hike, I don't know how many of you go on long hikes, <clears throat> but let's say you're here and you want to be here, and it's a difficult uh, way, it's a complicated way, uh, it's long and challenging, maybe. Uh, but, and without a map, uh, it's very difficult. And the map is your only guide to get from there to there. And uh, you can't look at it just once, especially if it's a complicated uh, place that you're, you're trying to hike around. You can't look at it just once, unless, I suppose, if you have uh, a great mind to look at it and remember it. But you, to know, you have to know how to keep uh, on the path of obedience and blessing you have to look at that, in fact, maybe memorize it. And we need to do all that we can and use every way that the Lord God has given us to get that map 
fixed in our minds and in our hearts. And Phil and I and Rodney have noticed over the past some months, <clears throat> during the past year, that we have often uh, shared more uh, this past year about the intake of the Word of God. We have exhorted you, uh, because we love you, uh, to uh, take that Word into your life, to discipline your life. And so we thought a sermon to end the year, to begin the year, it would be a good way to focus on that. In fact, it is one of our goals this year that we will be focusing on. And in this passage, verses 9 through 16 in Psalm 119, uh, really all of Psalm 119, helps us in the pursuit of a love for the Word of God. It begins with a question here in this passage, a brief question, and then follows with a general answer, and then it's followed by some more specific answers, and then ends with uh, some commitments. So first of all, the question, verse 9 says, David is saying, how can a young man cleanse his way? In other words, how can we be sanctified? How can we grow in holiness? How can we stay on this path of a sanctified life? How can we keep our way pure? And it's addressed to young men because of the strength of their passions, but uh, we must all ask this question because we all need to cleanse our way. We need to keep that way straight. That desire to be holy, as the Lord is holy, begins when he regenerated us by his mercy and his grace through the work of the Lord Jesus in our redemption and by the power of his Holy Spirit. And it continues by grace in the process of sanctification, conforming us to the image of the Lord. This is our growth in Christ-likeness. It begins by his grace and is all by his grace. And now we are able to act in faith and to align our ways to this path by doing his commandments. And we are called to an active part in this process. And so the broad answer to the question in, in 9b, it says that we are to take heed according to his word. How can we keep on this path? The general answer is, well, you take heed according to his word. Taking heed means to guard our ways very carefully, uh, to measure all that we think and all that we do by the standard of the word of God, to be careful to do according to all his word. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may be careful, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So we are to meditate on it day and night, and observe to do according to all that is written in it. The question I'd like to ask, is it possible to become holy without actively acquiring and applying as much of the Word of God as possible? Well, no, that was a rhetorical question. We need the Word of God to guide us in that path, that growth of holiness. David was addressing young men here, and it, it is in our youth that it is best, I believe, to acquire and apply as much of the Word of God as possible. If you didn't do that in your youth, and, and Sherry and I didn't so much, we were members of liberal churches when we grew up, our families didn't really know how to guide us in this, uh, so if you didn't do that in your youth, or if you haven't been doing so until now, there's no time like the present to grow in your love for the Word of God and to be zealous in being more Word-centered. Now, the Word of God is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy the Lord. So we must know this rule if we want to be directed in how to glorify and to know Him. 1 Timothy 4.7 says we are to exercise 
or to train ourselves like an athlete does, to train ourselves in godliness. And this discipline, this training to get the word of God into our minds has to begin at some point and continue to increase. A conscious decision to take action must happen and it must keep happening, acknowledging that you need the help of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you and you need the help of others in the body to encourage you to continue in this discipline. Now for some of you, that decision to train yourself more rigorously uh, to discipline yourself in the intake of the Word of God may be today. I would pray that it would be today. So let's look, brothers and sisters, at uh, some specific answers and actions that we're, David took and we can take in verses 10 through 14 to answer how can we keep our way pure. So these are disciplined actions we're going to be looking at to take heed according to the Word and stay on the path of obedience and blessing. Now I'm going to be sharing a lot of verses from Psalm 119, so I'm not going to say Psalm 119 every time, I'm just going to say the number. So beginning in verse 10, <clears throat> with my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Now David was saying that he greatly longed to know the Lord, and so he is seeking him with all that is in him. And then he cries out in prayer that he be kept from wandering from the commandments of God. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. And he knew that it is only by closeness to the word of God that he would stay on this path that pleases the Lord. It's, in fact, the path to the Lord. And we wander from God uh, and his word by nature. So we have the example here from David to pray, to cry out to the Lord for perseverance and steadfastness in the word. And this must take place to be seeking the Lord with our whole heart. They go together. So sin is any want of conformity unto and transgression of the law of God. So to wander from the law, from the word, is sin. And sin causes us to wander off the way of the Lord. And without the word, guided by his spirit, we turn off this way or that way. Uh, we, as we grow in grace, of course, we wander less and less. But we still do turn off and stray. And it reminded me several weeks ago, Phil brought up uh, Pilgrim's Progress. So I kind of reviewed that uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, Christian's there and he's wandering. When he, when he forgets or he disobeys what uh, people have told him to stay on this path, he wanders and he gets in all sorts of troubles. He encounters nets and obstacles and uh, people who try to get him off this path, uh, which is uh, the straight and the narrow way. In fact, in there, it's called the King's Highway. And it leads to the celestial city. <clears throat> In the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, one verse in that hymn says, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. So David, I think, <clears throat> in effect, was saying here in verse 10, Take my heart, my whole heart, and seal it. Seal it so that I may not wander from your commandments. He knew that without the word of God hidden in his heart, sealed there and kept there and treasured there, that he was helpless. He would be lost. He was lost. Unless the word of God guides us, brothers and sisters, and restrains us, we too can go astray. <clears throat> Calvin said, if we do not imbibe the doctrine of God, by that he meant the word of God, if we do not imbibe the word of God and are well acquainted with it, Satan will easily surprise and entangle us in his meshes, that's his nets. Our true safeguard then lies not in a slender knowledge of his law or in a careless perusal of it, but in hiding it deeply in our hearts. 
Proverbs 3, 6, many of you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He will make your paths straight. So we are to acknowledge him. We are to acknowledge the Lord in all our ways, every path that we are going to try to take. <clears throat> we are to acknowledge him, to admit that he is the Lord. And we do so by submitting to his word. And to submit to his word, we have to know it. So our path can be directed, it can be made straight as we hide his word in our heart. In Psalm 25, verse 15, <clears throat> David said, My eyes are ever on the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. As we keep our eyes on him and we run the race with endurance, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we're looking to him, then we can escape these nets and these distractions, these temptations, which can cause us to wander. Not by looking down and trying to get ourselves out of this net, but by looking at the Lord, which we do as we come to his holy word. And his word, it says, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. So you can imagine the lamp to your feet, you know, the, the daily situations you're in, you have a lamp, and that's the word of God, to take even one step on a given day. And it's also a light to our path. It lights the path of uh, the long-term path that we're heading down. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. As the way of the Lord is called the way of truth. That's in verse 30. It says in verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth, David said. Your judgments I have laid before me. I have laid your judgments before me. So to walk in the way of truth, David said, we must lay his word, uh, the God's word, before us as our only guide. That is our map. 59, verse 59, I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. And I think David often thought about his path, his ways, and there were notable times that he did not do that. But David often thought about the path he was on, and if he was off, he would turn his feet. He would make a conscious decision to turn his feet according to the word. He would go that way. He would make a decision. He would take action and based on the word of God and not keep going on the way which is not the way of truth. 133, verse 133, direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. So direct my steps, dear God, by, according to your word, let no iniquity have dominion over me. Here David asked for the Lord to direct his ways, which would, of course, be by his word, so that no iniquity would have dominion over him. No iniquity would have power to turn him off of the way of truth, causing him to wander. So we too must seek the Lord with our whole heart, through his word, and ask the Lord to keep us from wandering. So let's consider now some more ways in this passage which the Lord has given us in his word, our map, to keep us pressing toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, and not wander from the path that leads to him, the path of blessing, uh, the path that uh, is going to bless us. Verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So in order to walk a righteous path, we need to hide the word in our hearts. We must know it intimately. We must love it as we are commanded to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We should love the Lord and his word in the same way. And it's better to start doing this, of course, at a young age, but in any case, to start as soon as possible, like now, like today, like tomorrow. We are hiding the directions in it in effect, we're hiding the directions for this right path in our hearts where it becomes part of us. 
So we will not forget it. And so the Holy Spirit, our counselor and comforter and guide into the truth of the word, will bring it to our mind at the time uh, that we need to think about it. So if we start to wander, he can bring it to our mind or to help others who are wandering around us. So he can bring his word to our mind to help them or, or to help people who are completely lost. Matthew Henry, uh, in his commentary, he noted that all of us can answer any temptation uh, the same way that the Lord did, by saying, it is written. And to be able to do that, you must have his word hidden in your hearts. R.C. Sproul Sr. shared this. I believe I shared it uh, in the sermon on Proverbs 2 a couple months ago. But uh, he said, the word of God can be in the mind without being in the heart, but it cannot be in the heart without first being in the mind. So in other words, it takes discipline, it takes an action of faith to get it there. So I'd like to share a few benefits and blessings of hiding the word of God in your heart. Many of you know these, I'd like to encourage you in this. First of all, hiding the word in your heart increases your joy in the word. And we heard from Psalm 1611 exactly that. This path that we're on uh, can be joyful as we hide his word in our hearts. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. David loved it so much, he thought about it all the time. 47, I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. 111, your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. 35, make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. So David wanted the Lord to guide him, to make him be on this path of, his, of the commandments because he loved them so much. He did not want to wander. Well, secondly, hiding the word in your heart enables you to pray according to his will. And praying the scriptures is wise and a great blessing. And you are more able to do that if you hide his word in your heart. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and your words and my words abide in you, Ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. So prayer, which he answers, will be according to his word, and you will pray according to his word as his word abides in you. Well, third, hiding the word in your heart helps you to know what sin is. And the Holy Spirit can then, as I mentioned, bring, to, bring the word to mind at the moment of need to convict you of your sin, uh, to warn you, to guide you. Do you want to have power against sin in your life? Hide the Spirit-inspired Word of God in your heart. Your Word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, fourth, hiding the Word in our hearts enables us to encourage others and to share a word fitly spoken uh, in due time to give godly counsel. Jay Adams put it this way, the heart should move the mouth. If someone has been helped by learning, following, and storing up God's treasure within his heart, should that be the end of it? Of course not. In order to spread the honor of God and the glory of his word, he should also, that person should also be willing to tell others what God has done for him. Moreover, he must be able at any time to help another who is in trouble by declaring the truths that he knows are applicable to this situation. This is the final sentence in this comment. Less counseling would be necessary if Christians were regularly repeating the scriptures to one another in appropriate ways in appropriate circumstances. Well, fifth, hiding the word of God in our hearts gives us power to endure the weakness of our flesh and the attacks 
of the enemy, the temptations of the enemy, and of the prevailing society. So if the sword is at the ready, the sword of the spirit is at the ready, it makes us ready for attack. And we overcome, we are overcomers by meditating on the word of God, uh, not on our trials. Verse 23, princes, David said, princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. 95, the wicked wait for me to destroy me, but I will consider your testimony. He had people in very high places with a lot of power who wanted to kill him. He said, even in that case, he wasn't gonna meditate on that. He was gonna think about the word of God. I read a story <clears throat> about a man named Howard Rutledge. He was in the Vietnam War. His plane was shot down. He parachuted into this little village and uh, he was immediately attacked and captured. He, he was stripped. He was beaten all along the way and they put him uh, in prison, imprisoned him for seven years. He endured brutal treatment, uh, terrible, almost no food. He was often alone, most of the time alone, frequently cold. I won't even go into some of what he went through. And it amazes me when I read things like that, that the physical body can endure that. But he wasn't so much worried about his body, I think. Uh, he was wondering about his sanity. And this is what he wrote. It took prison to show me how empty life is without God. And so I had to go back in my memory to those Sunday school days in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If I couldn't have a Bible and a hymn book, and he couldn't, they wouldn't allow him to have a Bible or a hymn book, I would try to rebuild them in my mind. So he's trying to think back from his young days. I tried desperately to recall snatches of scripture, sermons, gospel choruses from childhood, hymns we sang in church. How I struggled to recall those scriptures and hymns. I had spent my first 18 years in Sunday school and I was amazed at how much I could recall. Regrettably, I had not seen the importance of memorizing verses from the Bible. Now, when I needed them most, it was too late. I never dreamed that I would spend almost seven years in a prison in North Vietnam or that thinking about one memorized verse could have made the whole day bearable. One portion of a verse I did remember was thy word have I hid in my heart. How often I wished I had really worked to hide God's word in my heart. Well, number six, hiding the word uh, transforms your mind. It changes your way of thinking. Romans 12, two says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And if you think the things of the world, your mind will be conformed to that. If you think the things of God from his word, uh, your mind will be transformed. You will have a renewed mind. And <clears throat> this reminded me of a young believer I met when I was a young believer in the dormitories in Lincoln. I, I was maybe a year or two old in the Lord, I don't remember exactly, but I met a young man and uh, his testimony was uh, that for many years uh, he'd been laughed at. They said, you can't learn. You know, they just called him stupid, basically. And he did have some uh, dis learning disabilities. He really had a hard time uh, thinking clearly and communicating clearly. Uh, but just several years after uh, becoming a Christian, his testimony to me was, I've been memorizing all the time. I love memorizing. He filled the word of God, he filled his mind with the word of God, and uh, he told me then that some people who knew him previously, they didn't think it was even him. His, he literally, the word of God, changed the way he thought, his ability to think. Certainly God's grace uh, was in all of his life, but he gave testimony of the power of hiding the word of God in his heart to transform his very way of thinking. 
And the Spirit changed him, of course. And the scriptures he had memorized had transformed his mind. So memorizing takes discipline, of course, yet it yields much fruit. And it's good to memorize with others. I would like to encourage any, any of the men or the young men who would like to go through uh, the topical memory system. There are other systems. I just like this one. Uh, it helps to uh, give a system that you can build on, and uh, it's a great blessing. So please tell me if you'd like to do that, or Rodney or Phil. Verse 12, Psalm 118, verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. So first of all, he says, blessed are you, O God, O Lord, as we should do the same. And we should bless him because he's revealed himself and his truth, his law word to us. And then he teaches us his statutes in answer to our cry. This is a cry, a prayer. Teach me your statutes. And he does so for his own glory. And for the last almost 2,000 years, the, the church in Berea has been held out to us in Acts 17.11 as a people to be commended, a people to be emulated, because they were diligent in receiving the word uh, with all readiness, it says, and for searching the scriptures daily to find out if what they had heard was scriptural. And the verse is, these were more fair-minded or noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So first, they received the word with all readiness. They were hungry. They longed for it. They were ready to take it in. They were ready to listen. And then it says they searched the scriptures daily. They read and studied it on their own, and they had a heart to learn the word of God. And they accepted the responsibility to be in the word consistently and daily and to learn the truth. And may that be said of us, brothers and sisters, if we are to be commended for something, may it be, for being zealous for the truth of the word of God and that we love the Lord and his word. A prayer of David, which we uh, read in our readings this morning, Psalm 25, verses four and five. Three ways David cries out. <clears throat> Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. So you also, we also can pray that the Lord would show us his ways that he would teach us his paths, and that he would lead us in the truth, his word. And this is a prayer that he desires for us to pray, and we can pray, and we have prayed as a congregation this morning. I like to pray, maybe you haven't noticed, but I pray often, verse 18, Psalm 119, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things from your law. I pray it for us as I pray for all of us. I pray it for myself almost every time I come to the word of God. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I shall keep it to the end. 34, give me understanding, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. 73, your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. So verse 73 says, your hands have made me and fashioned me. The Lord made us. He knows how to teach us, to give us understanding of his holy word. 125, I am your servant, give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. So he's saying, I am your servant, you are my master, I want to follow you, please teach me. So I believe we need to ask the Lord to give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, uh, teachable hearts every time, al almost every time that we come to the word of God, or any time we hear it, we should ask him similar things. Teach us your statutes. Verse 13, 
With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. Matthew Henry said, those whose hearts are fed with the bread of life should, with their lips, feed many. And with our lips we are to declare his word. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you meditate on eventually comes out in what you say. If you need more motivation uh, this morning to be uh, diligent and disciplined in the intake of the word, consider those who are dependent on you or for you young ones who someday will be dependent on you, who need to hear you declaring the judgments, the word of God from your lips. And to add to the list of blessings that I shared earlier, hiding the word in your heart enables you to give an answer more readily and more clearly. First Peter 3.15 says, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the hope that is in you. And the more the word of God is dwelling in you, the more ready you are, of course, to speak and to declare the truth. Now, as a young Christian, again, in the dorms in, in Lincoln, I may have shared this before, but in the Navigators, you had no choice. The older Christians would take you and say, we're going to go walk around in the dorms and, and uh, preach the gospel. And, of course, I was so scared uh, the first time I did that. And I learned very quickly that, uh, and I was already memorizing at that point, but I memorized a whole lot more because they were asking a lot of questions and I couldn't just flip through the Bible all the time. And uh, so I, I was highly motivated to memorize verses and passages that would help me to share the gospel and I wanted to be clear in sharing the gospel and to answer questions. And God can use even poorly done presentations, which I also shared, I believe. I drew out the bridge illustration, I had all these verses, but I put the wrong verses on both sides. It was all messed up. And this young man said, I've never heard that before. That really makes sense to me. Thank you for telling me the truth of God's word. You know, I had done very well at it, but I didn't know those verses and I wrote them out and he knew I loved them. I, I believe them and, and it had an impact on him by the grace of God. So when you declare his word, when you share it or you teach it, you speak of it, uh, you also learn it very well. Uh, it reinforces it as a, as a part of your life. Just saying it verbally to yourself, really, can do the same thing, but sharing it helps you to learn it. And also, when, you, when we sing the word of God on the Lord's Day or any time, uh, it also helps us to learn it and to proclaim it. And I got to thinking of Jeremiah. <clears throat> you know, Jeremiah was proclaiming messages to a people who didn't want to hear it at all. Uh, they were angry at him for saying it. Uh, they were antagonistic. Uh, they weren't listening, but he spoke it anyway. And they were always against him. But in, in uh, chapter 20, uh, things were getting very hard. And he, he's basically, this is a conditional sit situation. Uh, he knew he couldn't do this, but he said, if I, I will not make mention of him, that is God, nor speak any more in his name. Because he's just getting hammered every time he does it. But then he said right after that, but, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary from holding it back and I could not. He could not hold back the word of God dwelling in his heart. And it reminded me too of Peter and John. You know, the Pharisees commanded them, don't talk anymore about Jesus. They threatened them, don't say anymore. And you remember what they said? Well, we can't but speak of the things that we've seen and heard. What else can we do? And it's like the two on the road to Emmaus. Uh, they were walking there. They didn't know the Lord was with them. And they heard the scriptures from the lips of the Lord Jesus. And at the end, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us. David said in 
Psalm 119, 46, I will speak of your testimonies also before kings, and I will not be ashamed. He boldly spoke. David boldly spoke the word of God to people, in, again, in very powerful positions, and he was not ashamed to do so. And I believe that the more the word of God dwells in us, brothers and sisters, we too will speak it. We will not be able to hold it back. We will pour it out. And I will pray that that is the case. Verse 14, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Is your joy coming to the word, in coming to the word growing? Is it becoming even more of a blessing to you, more of a treasure to you? And is it worth more than all riches, all that you can imagine? Do you rejoice in the way or the direction that the Lord shows us through his word? David said he rejoiced. He delighted in the way of God's testimonies, the direction that the precious word, his precious word gives us to walk with him. And knowing the way, that way, gives us more security, it gives us more peace and more joy than all the riches we could ever imagine. 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. And in Proverbs 2, which I shared earlier, verse 1 says, treasure my commands within you. Verse 4 said, search for her, search for the Lord uh, through his word as for hidden treasures. 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. 92, unless your law had been my delight, I would then have perished in my affliction. 143, trouble and anguish have overtaken me, yet your commandments are my delights. No matter how bad things got, the word of God was the delight of David's heart. May it be so for us. Matthew Henry, <clears throat> the uh, author of the famous commentary, which was written 300 years ago, uh, he wrote in his biography of his father. This is what his father, he said of his father. Once, pressing the study of the scriptures, he advised us to take a verse of Psalm 119 every morning to meditate upon and so go over the psalm twice in a year. And that, he said, will bring you to be in love with all the rest of the scriptures. And I believe, you remember, I encourage you to do the same or something similar. Meditate through each eight-verse section, and there's 22 of them, uh, through a month. It'll take you a month. Meditate in your quiet time and ask the Lord to give you a love for his word. <clears throat> his father said at the end, all grace grows as love to the word of God grows. And I read in the midst of the study, I read of other godly men who had memorized Psalm 119. And William Wilberforce had, David Livingston had, and there was they, they gave testimony in their lives of how important that was for them to endure. So in verses 10 through 14, we've seen some of the ways which David followed to keep him on the path, to cleanse his way and keep him from wandering from the Lord. And in these last two verses, verses 15 and 16, he makes <clears throat> several commitments. These are commitments of action. And David was mostly a man of action. Uh, it's when he wasn't a man of action that uh, he was not doing well. So he was a man of action. <clears throat> and he said, verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are to think deeply over the word of God. And we can do that anywhere, of course, if we memorize it. It's like chewing on a piece of meat, uh, like beef jerky. And you want to get everything out of it that you can. So you continue thinking about it. You think of every word in that phrase or that passage. You think of how it applies to you. You think of what it means. You think of what it means in context. 
And one commentator said, meditation is spiritual digestion. It's a good way to think about it. And A.W. Pink said this, very convicting, no verse of scripture yields its meaning to lazy people. So we are to contemplate the ways of God, and he has revealed himself in his word. So to contemplate his ways means we must contemplate his word. Meditation and contemplation require us to chew on the word, to think out the meaning of the word we hear or read or study or memorize in its context so that it becomes a part of our thinking, not just a verse we can say sometimes, but it becomes one that God uses in your life many times in your life that you can apply, that he will use it uh, in application. Joshua 1.8 again says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may do, observe to do according to all that is written in it. So we are meditating on it so that we can do it, so that we can live it. It isn't just so we can say, I memorized a thousand verses. We're to meditate on it and live it. Verse 27, make me understand the way of your precepts, so shall I meditate on your wonderful works. 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. 99, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. 148, my eyes are awake through the night watches, that I may meditate on your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches, that I may meditate on your word. Now, David chose to be awake, or yet he, he woke up. He just woke up. And I often wake up. Others uh, know what I mean here. I often wake up between 4 and 5 every day. And I praise God greatly that I can meditate on the word at that point. Uh, I could easily fret about things. I would if I didn't focus on the word of God. And so when I wake up, I start thinking of a verse, I, any verse. I, I just need to think of the word of God at that point. Uh, or sometimes I wake up with a verse in mind, especially if I went to bed thinking of, of a verse, which I try to do. Um, and sometimes a song leads me to think of a verse, and then I'll think of that. So it's a great blessing to be able to do that. Someday you young people will understand um, when you wake up at hours you wonder why you're waking up. Well, finally, verse 16 says, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So I will, I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. So I got to thinking that this is really a disciplined delight. And I know those words don't go together often. Discipline and delight, that doesn't seem to go together. But I think it is. I think it's a disciplined delight. It's a delight that grows because we have exercised our minds and our wills by his grace again to remember his precious word. David committed himself to delight in the word and not to forget it or not to neglect it. It's sometimes worded neglect. And then when we sing Psalm 119, uh, it uses the word neglect. Matthew Henry said again, those who meditate in God's word and delight in it are in no great danger of forgetting it. So brothers and sisters, you will not forget his word or wander from it if you take heed according to his word if you seek the Lord and his word with your whole heart, if you hide his word in your heart, if you cry out to him to teach you, if you declare and you speak his word from your lips, if you rejoice in his word, and if you meditate on his word. Verse 83, I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. 
<clears throat> back then, they would hang wineskins in their tents, and after all the smoke, it would dry out, it'd crack, it'd be worthless. And so David is basically saying, no matter how weak or broken I am, even if I become like a dried out wineskin, I will not forget your word. It was a commitment he made. I will not forget your word. Verse 109, my life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. Now, that phrase, my life is continually in my hand, means his life was on the line often. It was constantly in danger. But he says that did not turn his mind from the word being his security. 141, I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. I do not neglect them. So David did wander, as we know, like a lost sheep, even though he loved the word so much. So he prayed that the Lord would seek him and bring him back from wandering uh, because he would not forget the commandments of God. He did not want to forget them, the word of God. And so he got back on the path. And as we think of the commitments David made here in those two verses, the I wills he said there, I'd like you now to turn to the back page to the illustration that maybe your children have already colored. <clears throat> I'd like to conclude with a few thoughts on this illustration. I'd like to just show, suggest a few ways that you might take action this year to increase the intake uh, of the Word of God in the basic five ways that we can get it into our lives. Uh, first of all, just a note before we just talk about each one briefly, uh, regarding retention rate. It's interesting, uh, educational experts tell us that after a 24-hour period, we can recall only about 5 to 10% of what we hear after 24 hours. I suppose it changes if you take notes and if you repeat it to somebody, you know, do other things. But generally, you hear something, 24 hours later, you might rem remember 5 to 10%. 10 to 15% we recall of what we read, 20 to 35% of what we study, and virtually 100% of what we memorize. But... Uh, I, as I will share in just a minute, unless we meditate on each of those four means of intake, hear, read, study, and memorize, it may not be part of us. It may not be on our heart, in our heart, ready to be applied. Maybe mentally uh, known. Well, first of all, here, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So to hear, we have to be alert, right? We have to at least be awake. Uh, so it's good to sleep on Saturday night. It's, it's good to be rested when you come to hear the word of God on the Lord's day. Actually, anytime you come to the word. So pray, as I've already suggested, to be a hearer, that you would be a good listener. And also, it's good to anticipate maybe what will be said. In, in my family, every Saturday night, uh, we read the scriptures that will be preached the next day. And I often ask my family, well, what do you think they're gonna say? And it's more in their mind when they come here on the Lord's day. Uh, read the passage uh, anyway, being preached in advance. Take notes while you're here and uh, then tell someone something that you remember from, from the sermon or from the your time in the Word. Okay, so reading, Revelation 1-3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. So pray again before you read, anytime you read the Word of God. Establish a reading program. Rodney exhorted us uh, especially if you have never read through uh, all of the Word of God, uh, I would make that a high priority and be consistent in it. Uh, establish a reading program. Uh, keep your pencil there, underline, 
uh, tell people what you're reading. And <clears throat> let's see. So study, Acts 17, 11 is the verse I shared about the Bereans. We are to study the word of God diligently. And then we are to memorize the, the passage that we read this morning. We're to memorize his word. And then Psalm 1, 2, and 3 talks about us being planted by uh, a tree. And I'm missing my last page of notes, but I think I'll try to remember what that was. But I had a great quote from, um, well, maybe I'll remember that. We're to meditate on the word of God. We're to chew on it. We're to be like a tree planted by rivers of water. And a tree planted by rivers of water is always going to be nourished. Okay? You have a tree planted by rivers of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaves don't wither. It's going to be fruitful. If you meditate on the word of God, you will be fruitful. And I don't know if I'll remember the quote uh, from uh, Martin Luther, but it was a great one. Um, Martin Luther uh, had a similar illustration. Uh, he pictured a tree full of fruit, full of fruit. And he said, uh, what he does is he goes to the tree and he shakes the tree. And he gets, you know, as much fruit as he can that first time. And it's, you know, the fruit that comes off easily, you know, like reading and, oh, okay, I see some fruit there. And then it says he got, uh, he climbed in the tree and he shook the limb. I mean, he's shaking the limb and there's more fruit coming down. It means he's working harder He's being more diligent to get more of the word. And then he climbs out on the limb and he shakes uh, a branch. You know, he's really out there. He's working hard. And then he shakes the twigs. And then at the end it said, and then I look under every leaf. And I think it's just a great picture of, of a heart, a diligence to study the word of God with diligence and, and with passion. And that is what I long for us, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we will do the same, that we will passionately love the word of God, and delight in it. So let's, um, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, that you have given us your precious word that we can delight in, that leads us on the path to you, Lord Jesus, and we want to know you. Lord, we want to be students of your word. We want to be diligent and love your word, with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And so guide us. Give us hearts like that. Help us, Father, to be teachable. And help us to, this year, make decisions of faith to get your living word more into our mind and then more into our heart that we might please you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for uh, this word this morning. And we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.